0: Welcome to a brand new episode of Chiefs Wire Podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, I speak with NBA champion and Fayetteville State legend, Daryl Armstrong, as he talks about the growth and exposure in HBCU football and advice for rookie cornerback Joshua Williams. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, anything that stood out to you from the Week 13 loss to the Bengals?
1: Well, I guess... uh <laughs> Plainly, that the Chiefs can't get it done against the Bengals, right? Um, you know, it's very difficult to beat teams multiple times in the same calendar year. And now, since he has done it, they've beaten Kansas City three times in the same calendar year. So, um, kudos to them. I mean, they there's no, there's no way around it. They have the Chiefs number right now. Um, now, I mean, this game did feel a little bit different than the last game. Even though it was a little back and forth, the Chiefs were down early, were able to come back. Um, I feel like they had a better chance to win in this particular game than they did in, in either of the two last season. Um, just based on the way they played, uh, they still can't seem to uh, get out of their own way on, on certain mistakes. I, I think really what the disappointing thing about it is, for, for me at least... I, I truly believe that a lot of the Chiefs plan this, this off season in terms of their personnel acquisitions, what they did in the draft. I, I feel that a lot of that was centered around, okay, what do we need to do to get past the Bengals uh, and, and you know the Bills, the two teams that have given them the most trouble in the AFC Conference and appear to have the quarterbacks to compete um, each year. Then, boom, you get into this game and, you know, Joe Burrow isn't really throwing at the cornerback group on the boundary, right? He's not, he's not throwing to Jamar Chase and throwing these balls to to T. Higgins, these like YOLO balls like he did in the, the playoff game. What he's doing is he's attacking the middle of the field and, and attacking your linebackers and your safeties. You know, I mean, he threw – Chiefs linebackers were targeted – 10 freaking times during the game, and you know how many passes they surrendered? All 10 of them. Like, like Burrow was getting everything he wanted across the middle of the field. And, um, you know, I, I feel like the Chiefs were preparing to face a different team and, like, you know, had, had no – they made no adjustments, no answers, uh, and, and Burrow kept throwing in the middle of the field. And, you know, there, there you have it. I mean – I think 113 of his yards came targeting linebackers. Um, so they just had, they had no answer there, no solution. The zone coverage drops from the linebackers were not working. And then, you know, the other thing that really stood out to me and frustrated me is that, you know, the Chiefs gave the Bengals defensive coordinator exactly what he wanted in the key moment of the game. Um... You know, he bet that they were going to leave the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands with the game on the line. You know, four minutes left in the fourth quarter. It's third and short, right? There's three yards to gain uh, to pick up the first down. You're averaging 5.5 yards per carry. Um, and, And still, the Bengals did not roll out their defense with any sort of inkling that the Chiefs would run the ball and keep it on the ground. So... I'll say it's ego. I mean, maybe it's not intentional. Like, maybe it's not um, it, this, like, you know, intentional ego where they're like, okay, you yeah, know, we've got the best quarterback in the in the universe, but maybe it is. I mean, maybe maybe the Bengals um, made the right bet there. I, I mean, it seems that they did. Um, and, and, and it makes me wonder, I wonder, like, you know, how many times has – Patrick Mahomes seen something, like, pre-snap, you know, and, and thought to himself, okay, maybe we should check to a run play here. And, and I don't even know if that was an option on this play. I don't know if there was a check on the play to, to run. I, it could have been pass all the way, no matter what, what have you. In which case, you know, um, <laughs> someone needs to get an Andy Reid's ear about that. But, you know, I, I just wonder... Um, It is the fact that maybe the running game has not been such a big part of the offense until the last couple of weeks. Like, is Patrick Mahomes still not trust that? Um, Does Andy Reid still not trust that to get, you know, three yards or to even just, you know, I mean, he said he was thinking field goal all the way there. He was in field goal mode. So maybe he didn't care if they took a sack or, you know, whatever happened. But I feel like you run that ball, you hand it off. Even if you don't get the first down, you know, maybe that makes the fourth down decision a little easier for Andy Reid, right? I mean, it certainly makes it easier than taking a seven-yard sack or whatever it was. So, <clears throat> I don't know. That that one moment in the game that really stood out to me, uh, frustrated me, makes me want to ask some more questions, um, you know, about what what the thinking was in that moment in that specific scenario.
0: Do you believe Justin Reed regrets giving the Bengals bulletin board material earlier in the week?
1: Yeah, I think he's going to regret kind of alienating himself from the fan base uh, with his most recent tweet more than anything else. Now, if you didn't see it, the tweet read, and I think it's still up. I don't think he deleted it. It said, unpopular opinion. We lost dot, 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 but I was still right. Cry about it. Yeah, that that just – I mean, I I don't know who that could possibly sit well with. Um, I mean, way to make your next 1.5 years here very uncomfortable because, you know, Chiefs fans, they're over it already. They want to see him bench. They want to see him cut. Um, And to be honest, I mean, Andy Reid was already pissed about his pregame comments. There's no way he's going to be happy when he hears about that tweet. So – I, I, I don't know. I, I mean the whole thing is very bizarre in my opinion. Like I I said it, you know, the other week. I, I didn't think that um I I didn't think that his pregame comments were, were meant as a slight or that he was burying his opponents, quote unquote. I, I mean I think he was being confident in his ability, his teammates ability, and I think it got blown way out of proportion because, you know, he couldn't remember Hayden Hurst's name. Right? Um, and, and I put a little bit of it on the, the reporter who kind of just ran with the story, too, because it's a privilege to be in those locker rooms and get that type of access and get to ask those questions. And I, I think, you know, the whole situation kind of set him up for failure. Teddy, we got, we got a dog barking here, guys. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I just, I you know, I, I think there was a way better way to go about that and, you know, um, Reed's kind of, you know, he, he's kind of buried himself here now, so to speak. I, I I don't think that I don't think that there's much coming back from that unless his play on the field drastically picks up. And I'm talking about, um, you know, not not just, you know, making, um, you know, shutting guys down, not getting targeted in the passing game, because that's easy to do as a safety. But. I'm talking about like make some game-changing plays. Like you need some turnovers. You need to hit a guy and force a fumble. You need to do something that that now makes fans believe. Okay, you know uh, this guy is talking the talk. He's got to walk the walk, right? So that that's my thoughts on Justin Reed. I I hope that um, I hope that he he's got something planned and can you know figure it out because right now he's uh, he's he's really uh, he's in the doghouse with the fan base for sure.
0: Should the Chiefs be concerned with the poor play of the defensive line during Sunday's loss?
1: Um, yes and no. I I'll say on the no side of things, like the Chiefs recognize that this was still a weakness. And, and you know, last week they went out and they got Brandon Williams, who's on the practice squad now. You know, former defensive tackle uh, with the with the Ravens for several years. Um, really, really, really. Good guy, well-liked, a leader, um, and and a good player, too. I mean, he's a great run stopper, big guy, uh, has a a particular presence about him in the middle of the defense. So, you know, I think he can have, like, that Mike Pennell-esque impact that, you know, that the Chiefs had in in 2019 when they brought Pennell there where, you know, he can come in, affect the run game. Um, So, I mean, there's at least one thing that they have planned that should help the defensive line a bit. But on the concern side, where you should be concerned, what you should be concerned with, um, with this pass rush. And, and, you know, I mean, this was a team, the, the Bengals, this was a team that surrendered the third most sacks in the league this season heading into week uh, week thirteen. And even though their offensive line, they were playing better as of late. I think they only allowed like four sacks in the last three games, or something like that. Um, the the Chiefs' defensive line, like they hasn't they, they haven't had uh, less than than three sacks in in a game since week six, right? So week six, you have to go all the way back to week six against the Bills. They had two sacks. Every game since, they've had three or more sacks. So. Like, they've been very good this season, uh, the Chiefs defensive line, and, and, you know, against some good offensive lines, too. So, it's very bizarre to me. It, it makes you think, is this group overachieving? Has that been the case all season? I mean, they had 11 total pressures on Joe Burrow, and their lone, quote-unquote, sack came in the 57th minute of the game, and really, you know, was it was it like a high-quality sack? Not, not so much. I mean, it was kind of a botched play where Burrow gave himself up behind the line of scrimmage and got touched. So, you know, it wasn't like some, like, great play where George Karloftis shoots around the tackle and just, you know, creams the quarterback. It was just, um, you know, he was the first guy in the vicinity. So, <clears throat> you know, I think on one hand, I, I think that performance should give some pause. Um, that... You know, there has been some accountability there. I heard good things from Frank Clark after the game who, you know, he's played through more stomach issues, which, you know, seems to happen. Um, And then I saw a good tweet from Colin Saunders about him, you know, kind of saying he he felt he didn't do his 111. And um, so, you know, I, I think there's some positive improvements that can be made there. And I think we'll see those against a Broncos team this week that has not been good protecting the quarterback. Now, what will that say about the future? What will they be able to bring, you know, come playoff time from that uh, improvement? We'll see.
0: What was your reaction to the Patrick Mahomes jump man touchdown
1: run? Yeah, that was a great one. But just like the uh, 13 second drive against the Bills in the playoffs, like it's going to be forgotten. Um,. You know, at least with that one, like with the 13 seconds, they they won the game, right? But you know, then they went on to lose to, in the AFC title game to none other than the Bengals. So I guess the uh, moral of the story here is that Cincinnati plays spoiler to all the recent great individual plays, you know, uh, by Kansas City. Um, no, it sucks. I mean, that would have been, I mean, that would have been everywhere on T-shirts and. You know, had they won, um, now it's just something that you forget about, (laughs) right? You know, Uh, the next great play by Patrick Mahomes. Hopefully that one will be uh, able to be remembered in a better light.
0: Okay, now it's time for the Chiefs Wire mailbag.
1: Ask Chiefs Wire. Jeff Baker asks, If the Chiefs and Bengals meet again in the playoffs, who wins? You know, Jeff, I'd like to pick the Chiefs, but I, I don't think there is any way that you rightfully can do that. Um, I'm in prove-it mode now, right? You know, prove to me that you can beat the Bengals and I'll believe it. So, um, I know it was just a three-point loss, um, but it probably should have been a multi-score loss for Kansas City. Uh, they had that one, uh, Bengals had that one, you know, wide open, practically uh touchdown pass that was dropped by, I believe, Tyler Boyd. So, I mean, for, for whatever reason, the Chiefs just cannot seem to play a clean game against the Bengals. Lots of unforced errors and penalties. Um, they're always just cru- they're, they're crushing themselves uh, w- with things that, that they end up doing, right? Um, and then I think, you know, this particular time, it really just felt like, I mean, Joe Burrow Beat the breaks off this defense. Uh, they just weren't. They, they had no chance to to stop him. Most of the times when he touched the ball, I think they forced like one punt, maybe or something. I, it was you know a couple of stops, but uh, you know it's just not. Wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. And you know I think that even if they meet at Arrowhead, um, they're going to have to find a way to do some things differently when it comes to defending the middle of the field um obviously but they're also gonna have to uh really pick their moments uh for you know certain things on the offensive side of the ball i thought the offense did a good job this last game i I really did but um i I think that they also left points on the board um and and where they had opportunities to not do so so uh, right now if if they meet again in the playoffs I will tell you right now I'm I'm going to pick the Bengals in that game. My prediction, you assume I'm picking the Bengals. Um, I'd love to see them get that monkey off their back here in the future though. That that would be wonderful to see. I think for for I I think I speak for all of Chiefs Kingdom when I say that. Ask Chiefswire, Ted G- I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing this horribly. Ted Ganda asks, is there any chance the Broncos defeat the Chiefs in Week 14? Um, I Man, as unlikely as it is, there's always a chance, Ted. Um, I'd say the biggest thing about Denver is they've got a really good defense and nothing to lose with a 3-9 and record. Um, like, everyone thought that the defense would struggle without Vic Fangio, former Broncos head coach. Sure enough, they're not. They're not really struggling. I mean, they're ranked at the top of the league in a number of different categories: points allowed, yards allowed, touchdowns allowed. I mean, like important categories. And um, you know, I, I think that, and that's in spite of having just a completely just inept offense. Now, they haven't faced a challenge like the Chiefs yet. Uh, if you look at their schedule, they really, you know, they just haven't faced anyone like them. Um, and that said, I feel like this is the type of defense that can really drag the Chiefs' offense down to their level, um, turn it into a low-scoring game, which gives Denver Denver more of a chance than they have if you know Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense are scoring at will. Um, you know, given how bad their their offense has been, you know, I think I saw stat; it was like ten out of twelve games this season they only scored you know one offensive touchdown. So, um. I think it's really going to be on the defense on this game to have a bounce-back performance and have a much better game this week. I think the offense is going to kind of keep doing its thing, potentially implementing more pieces back, Kadarius Toney coming back, Joe Tooney coming back from injury. Um, But I really think that this one's going to come down to the defense, you know, bouncing back, making Russell Wilson look as he has all season, ensuring that... You know, that they don't somehow jump out and, uh, you know, if the Denver defense is performing well, like, you know, ma- make sure that, that, you know, they keep giving the ball back to the offense and give them more chances to uh, to go out there and score points.
0: And lastly, are there any particular stories from Chief you would like to highlight from the past week?
1: Yeah, so we have uh, plenty of postgame content to kind of help you process the loss. To the Bengals this week. Um, If you're ready to move on, plenty of of pregame content uh, for Week 14 and the Denver Broncos coming soon. Um, I've got to highlight Ed's uh, interview with the Mavs coach, uh, Darrell Armstrong, an NBA champion there. Um, Him uh, uh, talking about Joshua, Joshua Williams. They both went to Fayetteville State. Uh, and you'll hear more of this later on the episode, but I, I thought it was just such an important topic right now um, with everything about Deion Sanders leaving Jackson State and the state of uh, HBCU football. So to hear from an HBCU legend like Armstrong um, about the impact that Joshua Williams is having, showing that he can hang and play at the highest level in the NFL, um, that that was just uh, it was really cool to hear, really important and uh you know i think his words are going to uh you know i think are going to be kind of inspiring to a young chiefs cornerback who uh you know he just had a tough game right he um came out of the game a- afterwards and felt like it was on him cuz he let up that that final reception there that that iced the game even though he had perfect coverage Which is a great throw great catch um was probably this close to breaking it up, but was unable to. So, so he feels, you know, a tremendous amount of, um, I, I, I guess, responsibility for that. So, um, I, I think, you know, I think it was a good read, good, interesting thing to uh, to hear from from someone who's kind of been there. Um, as always, we appreciate you guys reading the website, listening to the podcast. Uh, we couldn't do all of this without your support. And uh, you know what time it is now. You know what we always say, Go Chiefs!
0: And now my conversation with Daryl Armstrong. I'm um, on the uh, a Hall of Famer, yeah. and uh, the Chiefs just drafted a uh, fourth round pick, yeah. Joshua, Joshua Williams. Williams. yeah. Yeah, fact, I just want to know uh, just your thoughts on like the growth of uh, HBCU from mm. when you played to yeah. how it is today and everything. You've heard from exposure. Well, I mean...
2: To me, it was uh, a lot of growth even before I got there. You know, a lot of a lot of guys came from the way, Rick Mahorn, uh, Charles Oakley, uh, Ralph Talley, uh, Earl of Pearl Monroe. You know, it's, it's, it's many more that already have put us on a on a platform where We can audition and maybe get to the the NBA. Um, And you know, even in football, Jerry Rice and all those guys—you know—they did the same as well for football. So um, it's just about, you know, just trying to make make a way for D.C.U. athletes who just maybe didn't have the grades. the SAT school to get the opportunity to be seen and uh, hopefully get to this to this level, um, which is, is one one of the most beautiful uh, probably things I ever done. You know, I appreciate all the hard work you know, uh, to get here and have the opportunity to perform and, and show my. So my talent was uh, our, was, was unbelievable I and mean, it always came you know, from the Bayville State, being in the gym working to get better, learning how to shoot, um, and just getting the opportunity to be seen, so uh, I love what Deion Sanders is doing with the, uh, Jackson State and uh, the swag and all the black colleges. Uh, he's giving guys opportunity to be seen, to be heard. and. Uh, Hopefully, you guys take advantage of that. It is different today. We didn't have all these distractions, but PlayStation, social media, you know. uh, they, they, it is a, see, it is a big distraction when you get to, you know, those things right there. But if you have the love and the passion to get to this next level and play. You'll find, you'll find a way to get here. So hopefully, um, hopefully, guys, continue to, to get here and and, um, and do big things. And that's pretty a big thing. Uh, you started off as a football player, uh, yeah. Uh, at one point, you held a record for the uh, longest field goal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I had held the record. Um, two forty-seven yard field goal was my last year. Um, and what were you supposed to play? Uh, the field goal kicker had quit. And they they asked me to come out, and I, I went out. And Coach uh, Coach Jeff came and said, "Can you go help him?" And I, and I went and helped him, and you uh, know. I really tied the record, but I did it twice. He only did it one time, so I did it twice. It was my record. But somebody came along a couple of years later and broke it up with a 49-yard football. So, um, but, but you know, I, I enjoy that. I love, I love, love kicking that football. My idol was Mark Mosley, um, who uh, played in the NFL with the Washington Redskins at that time, and. Um, you know, he was always a person who uh, I love to watch kick. And, you know, nobody would know uh, he was the only field goal kicker in the history of the NFL to have win MVP. So that's pretty impressive for kicker very impressive and
0: uh like I said to go back to Joshua and this being his rookie season he's getting a lot of playing time now yeah. um how do you think this, in terms of like which coming from the same program and and being one of four people drafted this year from an HBCU what, what advice would you give for him you know carrying all that and because people they always you know he brings it up himself how yeah. important it is and, yeah. and uh, what, what would be your
2: uh your words to him just be, be yourself um uh, take on every challenge uh, head on and um, you know um, you, you, you're not only representing yourself but you're representing a lot of other black-collar players just looking at you and saying they got the opportunity to do the same thing and he came from another D, D2 black house so you know um, it could happen and for, for him just keep pushing on the best thing I think I I have saw and I, I kind of followed him a little bit uh, just to see see, see him because I I really didn't know him at that time and people kept hitting me in the summertime you know, we might have a guy from family state who's going to get drafted and I started following this past summer and was at the combine and and uh, look up now and he's he's on the field uh, almost every Sunday now um, uh, whether it's special teams. Or, Guy got hurt and he, he, he put him in the in the mix and caught his first interception against San Francisco 49ers and it was fun to see him in the playoffs run down there for defense. And, uh, so for him uh, just continuing his energy what he's doing and enjoy uh, have fun with it.
1: Uh, like I said at the end of the
2: day. People are watching to see what see how he's doing and what he's doing. And he has already done some good things and he's gonna do more good things in the future. Thank you that, very much. You
3: is that they, they're a good football team. Uh, their defense is, is special. Uh, they have a good scheme. Uh, they have good players. Um, and so uh, when you play division opponents, you obviously know they've studied you all off season. So you try to have a, a, a concept of what you do best, but at the same time throw in some wrinkles so that they, they can't be on top of your, your best plays. And so uh, uh, for us to be a great challenge against a great defense, uh, they go out there and try to find a way to, to put up enough points to win. So is the game plan different when you're playing twice in almost like three weeks or something? Um, I mean, obviously you have similar plays, um, but you utilize plays that, that kind of go off of each other so they can't get a good concept of, of what you're trying to do. And, um, I mean, they, they're, they're a great defense, man. They do a lot of great things. Um, and so it'll be a great challenge for us as an offense, and i got to do, do my best to get the ball in my hand and let these guys make plays. Patrick, really the to this game, this game. what your process of doing that is, and is it more difficult when it's a team that you feel like you've- um. Not. Not for me. Um, in this league, you got to move on, or you're gonna make one loss turn into two. So uh, you just uh, you watch the tape on Monday. Uh, you get a sense of what you could do better and, and what you can take away that you did positive. Um, then you move on to the next week, and uh, that's what we're do- that's what we're doing, and we're ready to play a great football team in the Denver Broncos.
1: Patrick, is there a sense of pride in the fact that you know you've never lost the Broncos in your, your time here, and just what's always given you so much success? against them?
3: Yeah, we just really emphasize playing our division opponents. Um, that's something that we work on all offseason. Um, in order to to get where you want to go, you have to win your division uh, most times. And so uh, for us, um, uh, coach the coach do a great job of giving us great game plans, and then I just try to go out there and execute them. And uh, uh, we we just really emphasize trying to beat our division opponents. And the Broncos have been one that's been a great challenge for us every year. How
1: did you? How are you made aware that you were the team's nomination for the
3: Walter Big the Year Award? Um, well, they let they let me know a few weeks back. Um, uh, we had the announcement last, I think, last night at my at my gala obviously a tremendous honor, I mean, not only to be the, uh, the Walter Payton nominee for the um, a, for the NFL, but for the Chiefs who have the most Walter Payton man of the years. And it's such a um, prestigious honor for this organization, especially to, to get back to the community, community that gives us so much. Um, and there's so many deserving guys on our team. So for me to have my turn this year, uh, something that I'll hold uh, for the rest of my life.
0: I want to take you time to thank my guest Daryl Armstrong for sharing his thoughts on HBCU football, as well as some advice for rookie Joshua Williams, and to remind everybody to please follow us on Twitter at the Chiefs Wire. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.